Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. If you're struggling with drugs, alcohol, gambling or food, or concerned about somebody who is, tune in to The Living Free Show on 3CR at 1pm every Thursday. I don't know how I got there, but and I couldn't stop it. I had stopped expecting that anybody cared. Never enough. I'm never enough. It's never enough. He's never enough. That was the confusion. Tune in to Living Free, stories of recovery from addictive behaviour, Thursdays at 1pm on 3CR. Or listen at 3CR on digital radio or podcasts and live streaming on 3cr.org.au. Being able to centre myself and be okay in myself and turn my world around. Living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'm Anne, and with co-host Bill, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We'd like to pay our respects to Elders past and present and to acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of our many programs that assists in recovery from drug, alcohol, gambling, food and other addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week I'm joined again by Richard, a member of AA, Alan on Family Groups and Nicotine Anonymous. A couple of weeks ago Richard and I discussed how we'd applied the first five of the 12 steps in our lives and today Richard is back to discuss the remaining seven steps and hopefully hopefully, uh, we'll do justice to those in the time that we have. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> Good to be here again. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's start. Do you reckon you could just give a quick summary of the first five as I'm putting you under pressure there, Richard? <laughs> Oh, first of I've I've heard someone say that the the first three steps are summarised by I can't, he can, let him, or I can't. I think I'll let him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they are for me. That I I have been unable to control the things in my life that are causing me problems off my own bat, no matter how hard I tried. And so I've had to look for a power greater than myself for help. And then steps four and five are really looking honestly at how my how my own ego has pushed me to do harm in life, but also looking at what positive things have uh, I've been able the what the positive aspects of my character. So it's an honest look at how I've been behaving, how I've been in the world up till now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally step five is admitting that to, to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Sure. Okay, thanks very much for that quick summary because now we're just going to dive right in to um, step six, which is became entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Um, have you practised that one, Richard? 
Um, I thought this one was going to be really easy. I, th- I thought, you know, it just makes sense that things that are, that are bad about my character or the way I've been behaving, that it'd be really easy just to say, yeah, I, I want to um, get rid of those. But I've, as when I got to it and as I've done it, I've been through the steps a number of times, it's really, I've noticed that it can be very subtle. It's also about attitudes and beliefs that are no longer useful for me. Like it no longer helps me to think that I'm always right. You know, when I was in my 20s, maybe it was sort of useful to have this sense of feeling like I knew how the world operated and, and what I, and if everyone would just agree with me, then we'd be fine. But that no longer helps me and just leads, causes me distress. So um, I have to be prepared to let go of ways of thinking that are very ingrained in me. And I have to have a, a bit of an honest look at all of my beliefs and attitudes and, and think, you know, is this still working for me? Mm. That's interesting that you said that you thought it was going to be easy because that's also my experience. So, uh, you know, there's things about the other steps that are really hard. Admitting you're powerless takes a lot of re, you know, really thinking through, well, hang on, am I powerless? Surely I'm not. You know, it's up to me what time I get up in the morning and and all that. So you have to really sort of think that one through. Um, But by the time I got to step six, I just thought, yeah, I don't want these defects of character. I'll just, can you just take these yeah. um and uh and they were do- they were really hurting me one of them was um a kind of uh, i was i was uh, i had a sort of philandering boyfriend at the time and i was constantly preoccupied you know jealous and all that and yeah. I, it was it was agony and uh i just said i just don't want it it was so painful and it just bloody didn't go away you know i still yeah. had it um and then years later i realized the step is about being entirely ready to have that defect removed. Um, and there was no way I was really ready because I thought just being ready meant, yeah, I don't want it, I hate it, it feels mm. bad. <laughs> no, getting that defect removed meant being comfortable not watching what he was doing with regard to other women. There's just mm. no way I was ready to let that go Yeah, because that was the thing that I thought, um, was keeping me safe. Yeah. Uh, and it probably, it turned out it probably was to some extent and, I, you know, naturally I ended that relationship. But um, the thing was that, and what I've learned from it is the process of getting entirely ready is takes a bit of work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I found that too. And I, I found that um, how I saw myself how I see myself has to has changed, and I really became aware that I I was judgmental of other people because I needed to be right to feel that I belonged mm-hmm. and to feel that I was an okay person. So if I'm willing to let go of being judgmental, what am I going to replace that with? If I still have this low self-esteem or this sense of I don't belong here, then I'm going to be in real trouble. So it, it's taken a lot of work to try and develop a relationship with a higher power where I can feel comfortable that I am loved and that I am lovable mm-hmm. and I don't have to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So entirely being entirely ready to give up being right means it's much it's going to leave you with a with the deeper thing that's underlying that. Yeah. Which is the the fear of not being smart enough or whatever it is in, yeah. in your case, the, the fear of uh not belonging or not having an identity as yeah. a as a person who's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it takes a bit of work sitting with that um that the defect that you're not comfortable with to be you're not entirely ready actually just by saying I'm entirely ready. That's right. Yeah. So it's not just about accepting the pain it's about it, it's about uh knowing what what you're going to do instead. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Um Okay, so um, are, we, are we done with that step? Do you think have we got more to say about that? You've got a you've got a look on your face like you're having a bit of a think. Oh, um, I think the important thing for me was realizing that this is an ongoing process. It's not something that you get to step six and you say yes, I'm ready, and then that's done. I've found that it, it, these things keep coming up for me as. I notice a pattern in my life or a a way that I exist in the world that's causing me grief. And I I think, oh, well, is this a defect of character? What can I do about that? And so things constantly come up for me. Yep. Um, And new things might come up sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and it's the same things that come up over and over sometimes. So you're a bit, bit low in resistance sometimes, and there it is, comes up. And yeah. You have to like get ready again not to live with this. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it's you peel away a few layers and you become, I, I become a bit better at dealing with the situation. But the issue is still there, and it will still mm-hmm. return. The return of the repressed, they, yeah. <laughs> my psychotherapist calls it. You know, that things that we need to deal with will continue to pop up in our yeah. lives. Yeah. All right. I think um, just because we've only really got five minutes for each step, have you got anything more about that one or we move on to step seven? No, I think, seven? I think we can move on to step seven. All righty. Um, so step seven, um, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. How did you go about that one, Richard? I think from, for me this has been where I, I started getting serious about prayer and meditation, which we'll look at mm-hmm. um, in step 11. But I figured that if um, if I want God to do something for me, then I have to do something for God was how I thought about it. And so I started doing a, a, a regular, ha- having a regular prayer life and spending time in meditation um, and just trying to focus on my relationship with my higher power so that I could create a space where God could work on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I thought of it. Yeah, getting out of the way. Getting Yeah, getting out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I should say... You know, my I don't have a, a Christian idea of I don't have an idea that God is a any kind of person and I actually don't believe there's any kind of being that can take away my character defects or my shortcomings or my defaults, whatever you want to call it. I actually don't believe we might come a bit later to what you might believe about that. But um the amazing thing for me is that by imagining that there is such uh 
something that can take away my shortcomings that I can hand them over to. So I just do it by an act of imagination, which maybe is close to an act of faith. I don't know. But it's not, I don't actually really believe um, in God as a being that can do that sort of thing. Um, but when I do it, then I understand what God is. It's uh, God, for me, is me living without all that horrible, um, uh, painful stuff and living, I think we talked last time about being in the flow. Yeah. And for me, that kind of is what God is. Um, and if there was a creator, which I don't know, one way, I've got no idea what, what we're all doing here. I don't have any view on that. Um, well, I have got a slightly... No, I actually don't have a view. I believe that it's actually a mystery. So um, part of the mystery is that if I stop working, and I'm going to use my um, my defect procrastination yep. because that's the one I'm comfortable talking about on air. I've got <laughs> other ones. <laughs> but uh, procrastination is a good one because it was a very serious one for me because it meant, meant I didn't get a lot of stuff done that I needed to get done and I underachieved in a lot of ways and stuff. Um, so it was quite a serious ongoing problem that used to cause me all sorts of anguish. Um, and it's when I got out of the way of it and stopped trying to fight it that I just started doing the job that I had to do. But And I, to go back to the previous, but I had to get ready to accept that I was going to have to do some hard work, that I might face some problems in the work I had to do, that I was avoiding, or I might not do it perfectly. Yeah. So it's getting out of my way. And then somehow that gives me an idea of God, whatever that is, so good orderly direction or grace or freedom. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. What do you think about all that? Oh, there's a lot. There's a, <laughs> a lot in that, and I, I was just thinking that you know I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in God as a being either. I think more of God as beingness. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered reading a, a, some philosophy text years ago, and um, on being beingness and being and. And, but I was, uh, with this step, I think it's about humility for me, being humble to question my own motives. And and as you were talking about procrastination, I I was thinking that this morning I've got a Le Cousette big stock pot sitting on the stove soaking because <laughs> I used it last night and there's something that's stuck to the bottom of it and I don't want to clean it. <laughs> and I realise that I don't want to clean it not because I want to. I can't be bothered or I want to do it later. I'm worried that I'll damage it. Ah, yeah. I'm worried that if I clean it, I'll scratch it and it won't be perfect anymore And that, and my ego is bound up in having a really good conditioned pot. And so I'm letting it soak. I'm putting off the moment when I might. Cause yourself a problem that you... Yeah, because yeah. at the moment it's fine. <laughs> it, just right. ne- it just needs washing. And you know, I have to be humble to see that there is... The, I'm actually getting something out of this, uh, out of delaying the process. I'm getting uh, a payoff. And... Uh, uh, I need to turn to my higher power t- for some support with that mm. and saying, I know that I'm valuable even if my my <laughs> pot has got scratches on it. 
If it makes you feel any better, I uh, boiled up all my kids' dummies and, and plastic bottles and mine ones and just uh, came home to smoke everywhere I left it on. Uh. And it completely damaged my Lecrisset pot um, and I survived. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We do. Um, all right. We'll be back after this break. Hi, my name's Robbie Thorpe. I'm doing Black and Deadly on Fridays from 11 till 12 o'clock. Looking at all the best uh, Black and Deadly music, entertainers and performers around this country. Uh, Join me then from 11 to 12 Fridays, Community Radio, Thresia, 8.55 on the AM dial. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. And if you would like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us on phone, email or Twitter. I'm talking today with Richard, a member of the Worldwide Fellowship of Al-Anon, in which people affected by someone else's drinking share their experience, strength and hope in order to solve their common problems. Uh, Richard is also a member of AA and Nick A. So, Richard, we're up to step eight. Eight. Yep, Yep. made a list of all persons we had harmed and became entirely ready to make amends to them all. I don't like this one. How do you go with this one? Uh, I found the first time I did this was in AA and it's much easier, I think, with my AA um, history. But I I found that I had a great big long list and I, because I felt guilty about everyone that I was ever a little bit unkind to, maybe I was a bit rude, maybe I didn't smile at someone walking past them on the street and when they were obviously having a tough time. I'm the sort of person who had um, a very hypersensitive sort of outlook. And it took me a lot of work to realise that this it's actually about people that I've harmed. It's not people that I'm who may have been... Maybe I didn't treat them as nicely as I could have, but I didn't harm them. So that was a much shorter list. Yep. Um, and I found that, you know, I, I was pretty diligent about it, but the, I still forgot people and I had to add them to the list later on. Um, mm. And some, sometimes something would come into my mind uh, later and i think, oh, I'd forgotten all about that and I had to put that on the step mm. on my list. But... um and, um, and so the, the first part is to make the list and the second part is becoming willing to make amends. And um, that's, being willing is, is tricky because there are some that are, I found really embarrassing and, I, and there's one person that I still am not quite ready yet um, and that's just out of embarrassment. 
um, and, and I'm not sure if they're aware. And, and if I let them know, then that, and they weren't aware, then I would have embarrassed myself and caused more damage to them, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. But but that's the other. You know, in step nine, we would look at yeah. not harming people. But uh, step eight is really just about being willing, uh, getting the willingness to to set things right. And I've had a good look at myself in step four and talked it over with someone in step five. So I know I know pretty much what my bad behaviour looks like. And then I can think of where that's actually caused harm for other people. Um, yeah, so... But in it was a bit trickier in Al-Anon. I, I found it, you know, much more difficult to find where I've actually hurt someone um, through my controlling type of behaviour. But but I managed to um, think of a few episodes where that where that had occurred. Mm. How important is that for your AA recovery? You said you did it in AA. How important is that for a, a someone recovering from alcohol addiction? I think, well, for me it's been critical because the thing that will cause me to go back to drinking is if I can't stand the way I feel and I need something to change the way I feel and especially if I'm feeling bad about myself. And the only way I can not feel bad about myself is to believe that I, or is to have done everything I can to set things right from the past. Mm-hmm. And so I might feel really um, guilty about my children's childhood not being present there. And I can't change that. But I can sit down with them and, and have a chat about it and and try and behave differently now. Mm-hmm. And I've done those things. So when I start feeling bad about uh, about myself for what I've inflicted on other people, I can counter that with this thought. But you've done, you've made amends, you've, you've done what you can to clean up your side of the street mm-hmm. and you're not creating more mess. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that's, which means I have a sense of peace, and you know, and in twelve steps we talk about serenity a lot, and and that's where, it's serenity that, w- um, relieves my my need to drink. Mm-hmm. And I suppose making those amends too means that you've got good relationships around you, so you're less likely to be under pressure from those relationships that, in a way, that would make you feel uncomfortable too. Yeah, hopefully. Not, <laughs> not, you know, I haven't really had um, anyone reject my amends, yep. but they haven't always been as... It hasn't always been the lovely resolution uh-huh. that no. I would have liked. No. But it's not about me. You know, it's about what the other person needs yep. uh, from me. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, people have said, I don't want to go over the, the past, and mm-hmm. I have to respect that. Mm-hmm. I relate to your idea about the guilt, uh, thinking that uh, if you feel guilty, it means you must have to make amends, but in fact, you might just be have a distorted sense of guilt. That's right. And yeah. I think I came out of uh, my, my um, 
family, which was where someone else was an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, with exaggerated, I was a child, but I came out of that with an exaggerated sense of guilt. Yeah. Um, and but I think the strength of this step is I'm able to sit down and then by taking a kind of inventory of the, the people that I think I might have affected, I can see, hang on, no, I didn't. Like, you know, having that bad thought about someone. That's that right. It's not anything I need to make amends for. I can think that if I want. It doesn't yeah. hurt them. Um, and uh, I was also quite young. I think I was 20-something when I came into Eleanor and, and probably hadn't done much damage, really. Yeah. Um, but um, I was able to make amends to, uh, you know, that philandering boyfriend. Uh, one of the very early um, bits of wisdom that I got from Eleanor was it's easier to point the f- – if someone's doing something wrong or dishonest or – or whatever, um, betraying you or whatever, it's easy to think they're 100% wrong and that all your feelings are justified. But I was able to say to him, uh, I'm sorry for being too too um, vigilant over yeah. you because that's still my stuff. Even if, if he's 99% wrong or something, I've still got my 1% yeah. that I can make amends for to make me feel better. So, uh, And also to, um, to be a, a responsible grown-up, and take yeah. responsibility for my own moral conduct and not be concerned with someone else's. Yeah. If he's doing that, that's not my stuff. That's his stuff. And yeah. That'll play out. Uh, and, my, and then my choice is do I stay with that person or not? And finally, um, it was actually through Al-Anon I realized, no, I don't have to stay with someone who's uh, abusive. In that yeah. Way. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's, that's getting, that's just uh, getting ready to make amends. And, uh, um, I've still got people on a list that I haven't made amends to, and it's partly out of pride, to be honest. Yeah. Too embarrassed to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but they're on the list, so I, I'm doing that step. I haven't done the next step necessarily, which is make amends to that person, but I have, I'm becoming willing to make amends. Yeah. Some people talk about having three different lists, the, the list of, or dividing the list into three. The, the, the first category is people you're ready to make amends to straight away. Yep. The second is not quite ready yet. And the third is I really don't want to make amends to this person. Right. And um, I've never had anyone in that third category, uh, um, but I've heard lots of people say that, you know, someone's hurt them and they they know that they have a part in that but they really don't want to yeah and i I just haven't had that situation but there have been lots i still have a couple left on my amends i've been through a lot of them um but um and you know some i try and some amends I've had to make to people who have died, and there was an amends I wanted—I really wanted to make to a, a, a dear old friend of mine, and I just couldn't get in touch with him. And then he died late last year yeah. at fifty-nine, which is pretty pretty young. And um, so I, but I did the same thing that I've done with other people who have died, which is I wrote a letter and um, and read it out to him yeah, in absentia <laughs> in absentia yeah and um and i made a and there was some money involved and i i made a donation to an organization mm-hmm. that i know he would have been happy with mm-hmm. um and i think 
you know, so I can now feel peace when I when I think of him. Thinking I tried as hard as I could to make amends when he was still alive, and and when that when he died, I was able to still able to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was important that financial amends too, because it, it shows that I'm serious about. It. You know, even to myself, it shows that I. You're willing to have a lot of wear a little bit of pain. To, yeah, in order to do and it. I'm willing to stand up and take responsibility. That's right. And 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 I actually, the organisation that I gave the money to, I told them it came out in the conversation that this was part of an amends process, and and the person I was talking to, their son was in recovery, and it turned into this whole thing. Right. But, uh, um, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's important that I do my part and that I feel so that I can hold my head up high and say, yeah, I did something wrong, but I've I've said it right as best I can. Mm-hmm. And you've you've just injected a bit of good into the world. Yeah, that's and and that story of how it 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 flowed on to the the person whose child was um, in recovery shows that. So yeah. you, you put a bit of bad into the world when you did whatever it was you did with the guy and the money. But you've now um, made amends in exa- by redressing that and putting some good in. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, being able to... I remember early on in my recovery someone talking about being able to walk down the street without being afraid of running into anybody mm-hmm. who they owed money to or that they had, had a disagreement with. And I have that now where I can walk anywhere in in the world and not be afraid that I'm going to run into this person or that person because of something in the in the past. The, uh, there were people that I was worried about running into, but I've sat down with them and, and made amends and cleared the, that. And, um, and one of those people offered me somewhere to live um, and I was lived in a vacant flat he had for a number of years and you know which wasn't on my agenda when I was sitting down to make amends yeah. but it's just amazing how, how these things work out yeah so there's another story of good flowing on from the good that you initiated in yeah amends. yeah um, we've covered both of those steps eight and nine now getting ready to do it and actually doing it so yeah. I will have another little break and we'll come back with step 10 yeah It may have been Camelot for Jack and Jacqueline But on the Che Guevara highway filling up with gasoline Fidel Castro's brother spies a rich lady who's crying Over the luxury's disappointment so he walks over And he's trying to sympathise with her But he thinks that he should warn her that the third world is just around the corner. In the Soviet Union, a scientist is blinded by the resumption of nuclear testing and he is reminded that doctors Robert Oppenheimer's optimism fell 
in the cheese pavilion And the only noise I hear Is the sound of someone stacking chairs And mopping up spilled beer And someone asking questions And basking in the light Of the fifteen flame-filled minutes Of the fanzine writer In pop and politics, he asks me what the use is. I offer him embarrassment and my usual excuses while looking down the corridor out to where the van is waiting. I'm looking for the right leap forward. Sales are organised and pamphlets have been posted Even after closing time there's still parties to be hosted You can be active with the activists or sleeping with the sleepers While you're waiting for the great leap forwards oh, One leap forwards, two leaps back Will politics get me the sack? Waiting for the great Green Left Weekly Radio. It's the people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests and that's Green Left Weekly. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. Tune in every Friday morning at 8am on 3CR. If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500. That's 1300 111 500. Wellways supports 3CR. 
You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. This is a Living Free show on 3CR digital radio and live streaming on 3CR au forward slash streaming and we're talking today with Richard about the practice of the 12 steps of recovery that help so many people around the world to live lives that are happy joyous and free now we're up to step 10 so 10 11 and 12 I'll take us to the end of the show um, and uh, step 10 is continue to take personal inventory and when wrong promptly admitted it so how does that one fit in with those previous ones Richard this making amends and well, I think it's pretty straightforward, this one. And like sometimes the steps can seem a little bit unclear as to like step four made a fearless model inventory. You know, what does that mean? Whereas this one just says, if you're wrong, admit it promptly and continue to um, analyse, or analyse is a bad word, continue to look at your own behaviour. And so this is one that... Um, I find I have to practice reasonably often. Um, and I had a situation just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a work meeting and someone was talking and I thought they were being, they were getting off tangential off on it. And I was pretty brutal in the way that I put, shut them up and got on with the business of the meeting. And I felt a bit uneasy about it afterwards. Um, so I went to that person and, and said, "Look, I'm sorry. I was uh, was abrupt and and cleared the air." And you know, that's the that kind of behaviour is is probably what most people would expect, but it doesn't come naturally to me. I if if I feel I've done something wrong, I can be I can cower in the shame and try and hide rather than just set it right i can try and scurry and avoid that person in the future or, you know i'm my upbringing didn't give me healthy ways of dealing with these things and you know i grew up in an alcoholic home and there was mental illness around in my early childhood and um so there were lots of so this step really just helps me to be healthy uh, emotionally healthy I will um, I'm going to disagree with you I don't think it is normal for people to say sorry to be honest I think a lot most people I think it's very common for people for people to go around thinking they're right and don't and often don't apologize because when I do practice this step and, and try as quickly as possible to say you know about yesterday sorry I did this or that yeah people are often quite surprised that you've put them and say oh thank you or or it was nothing, or whatever. Yeah. They want to uh, repay you for for thanking them, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, it's not all that common. I think it, it's uh, it's certainly something when I do it, I notice that people aren't expecting it, and they're they're, yeah. oh, they're taken aback a little bit that you've apologised. Yeah, I've always taken that to mean that they weren't expecting it from me because <laughs> no, because I'm such an arrogant <laughs> bastard. But, yeah. but um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and and, um, and I, I think it depends a bit on. Well, actually, 
what I'm thinking is that I aspire to be some kind of really good person. And so so I imagine that other people are much better than me, which may not be the reality. That's not the reality, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's a bit of a relief. <laughs> yeah. But I think this, this step basically says that I, you know, I can accept that I'm imperfect, but I still have to do something about it when I, when I stuff up. Hmm. And I can, be, I can learn to be happy even if I'm not perfect. That's what the steps offer me mm-hmm. is that serenity. Mm-hmm. And part of that is by the when I inevitably stuff up, there's a way that I can set that right. And that's by apologising straight away or dealing with it straight as soon as possible. Mm. And, and being serious about it, trying to understand what's motivating my behaviour mm. and owning my part in mm-hmm. it. Um, Yeah, and one of the ways I run around uh, my problem, it's not a problem, what am I saying, the idea that I don't really believe in uh, God as a lot of people understand it, um, is I sort of believe in the kind of Greek God's idea, the idea that we're mortal and they're not, Um, and uh, we're we're inevitably going to stuff up. That's, yeah. that's that's part. That's the deal, and they have a bit of fun with us watching it going on, and because they're not, they're not perfect either. But um, so we are going to in the rough and tumble of uh, you know committee meetings, like you, you whatever yeah. meeting you were in or, or whatever, you're always going to um, possibly offend someone or whatever. And again, it gets down to well. They might have taken offence, but it's looking at yourself and deciding, right, did I actually uh, do something that, that was uh, cruel or unreasonable or, yeah. or dismissive or whatever? So a uh, really great step, that one. And, and I must say, um, both of my children are, and I wasn't by any means a perfect parent. Yeah. Um, I took a lot of my issues into my relationship as a mother with them. But yeah. um, both of them are really able to say sorry and i think it's modeling they've seen that yeah they've seen me doing that so um yeah so again it's a step that a lot of good can come from yes mm. now step 11 is getting uh, it's quite a profound sort of one so continue to make co- conscious contact with can you do you remember how this one goes again can, uh, uh, step uh, 11 continue to make constant contact to, with a Higher power. No, I can't I, believe I, I, this. I, what are we doing, Richard? Um, here we are. Sought through prayer, prayer and meditation, meditation to increase, improve, improve our, our conscious, conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and, and the, the power, power to, to carry, carry out that there. out. So that takes a bit of unpacking, that one. So I'll say it again now that we've got it clear. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood, sorry for the pronoun Him. Um, Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. This thing was you know, formulated in the 1930s. Um, so, what what do you think of that one? That's there's a lot in that one. Yeah, there is, and and you know, again, there's a bit of an instructions like prayer and meditation. It's, it's it seems to be saying that these are useful things to. Um, and are the way to improve our conscious contact with God. 
and so I took that seriously. Um, meditation in this, you know, in the time that this was written, this is before transcendental meditation yeah. became popular. Before yoga and Buddhism came over to the to, West. To the West. So this meditation was very much the uh, the the practice of reading something and thinking deeply about it. Oh. So it was it was a Catholic sort of view of meditation then I think well Jesuit sort of thing well not just because I think Bill W was some form of Protestant, Protestant. but there is and well the Catholic there's there is a tradition of uh, contemplation contemplation in the Catholic Church which is closer to the Eastern style of um, meditation. But I think the reason I say that is that this doesn't say that you have to take up transcendental meditation. You can find a, a, a way of being in the presence of the divine that works for you. And for a lot of people, that's just sitting in nature, sitting under a tree, listening to the birds. You know, that, that's that's what this step is about. It's just taking some time out of my day to focus on my relationship with the God that I, as I understand or don't understand. Mm. Um, and that's been really important for me. And, you know, I belong to a church and we have um, traditions and rituals and stuff that I can use to, as mm. part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just, you know, I think that more as that's a cultural artifact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. Oh, just uh, just on that, I uh, worked in a, a busy school with uh, uh, one of my colleagues was uh, a devout Muslim uh, woman, and we shared an office. And I was so uh, it actually affected the whole office that she would five times a day take a little towel and go and and wash her feet, I think, um, and then she would uh, pray, yeah, and then she would come back and get on with it the work and it was busy busy work yeah and yet she came back with a certain amount of serenity and i thought i really like that i really like that way of um putting putting the divine what however you understand that at the forefront of the day yeah so it wasn't the school timetable that was most important for her it was those five times where she opted out of that yeah and got in touch with the divine i, I loved it yeah yeah yeah, that's uh, important. I, I was just thinking, I used to sometimes use a cigarette for that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. I'd use that as a, as a way of stepping outside and just yep, yep. pausing. And in fact, when I stopped smoking, that was something that I found I still wanted to do, is to have that little yeah. pause. Um, yeah, it wasn't, this, it wasn't this, the nicotine or the, the ritual of the smoke, it was the stopping. It, uh, stopping, yeah. Um, and I, I think the the important thing for me in this is the last bit of this step where it says praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. I think um, there's a lot of... And I grew up with a bit of this where you pray for, for something and you pray that this problem be, it gets solved or you pray to get this promotion. Or, or even some, someone's child gets well or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. whereas <laughs> this... And it's it's pretty blunt. It says praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out, which I don't. I'm not sure where that came from. In um, but it's uh, I, I take it pretty seriously. And when I pray, you know, I have a few 
people I know who who are having treatment for cancer at the moment, and so I don't pray that they for them to be cured. I pray that whatever is supposed to happen happens, yep. and that I know what my what I need to do. Yep, huge difference, isn't it? Yeah, and um, and you know I don't th- I don't think there's anything wrong in praying for a particular outcome, but if I'm following the twelve steps, well then that's the way it says to pray mm-hmm. so that's what I do I find that ve- that's the only kind of prayer I really know except for saying the Lord's Prayer at school you know yep. in a ritualistic way um, which I now think there's more merit in than I realised at the time actually it's yeah. a very quite a profound prayer um, but the um, asking for God's will I actually do that in ri- ri- yeah, what do you want me to do I just say what do you want me to do about this Yeah. Um, and then I get a kind of god view of that whatever that is and not my view yeah which is you know sit and worry or go going you know my, my i've got great ideas like why don't you just sit and worry about this for three days yeah. you know why don't you confront the person or you know why don't you run away yeah these are all my ideas. fight and flight <laughs> and the animal self tells me one thing but if i say to whatever the divine intelligence is what do you want me to do about this get a much better answer again it's this imaginary like yeah if there is a god or whatever whatever the divine intelligence is what is the the thing to do here and it's always pretty clear yeah um and it's not one of the things that i normally come up with it's the right thing you just find out what the right thing is to do yeah yeah you feel yeah. you feel it and we talked about flow last yes, time and, yeah and i think you know the it's a it's i think it's probably a universal human experience that feeling feeling mm. connected mm. to each other and mm. to the universe somehow mm-hmm. and i think the, we know that when we when we feel it mm-hmm. and i think the religious impulse or the spiritual impulse is absolutely central to who we are yeah um and even if you don't like organized religion or you don't believe in the same god that everyone else does or or whatever um We've all got a craving, I think, for the spiritual, and we, we'll get it somehow. People get into astrology or nature or smoking, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever works for you. Yeah, you know, smoking marijuana is actually, you know, I think the Rastafarians that, that is part of it. I'm maybe saying the wrong thing. I don't know, but I know that Bob Marley saw it, saw it as a, a sort of a spiritual thing to do. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, we are we do crave it. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um, you know, it's it, it. I came into recovery because my drinking was causing all kinds of drama in my life. But then I get to the end of the steps, and you know, the drama is gone. I've cleaned up as much of the mess as I as I can, and I'm now connected with a higher power and I'm one of these people who always believed in a, in a God and my understanding and learning about that God has grown and, and changed and particularly grown in the last few years but um, you know my life is completely different to what it was when I first walked in to the rooms of AA and then later on into Al-Anon where the turmoil and grief that I carried around and the, the trauma that was constantly alive in me, 
most of that has been removed now through these steps. Well, let me then just finish up, just about finishing up now. You've got us right to step 12, which is having had a spiritual awakening, we uh, continue to... No, we, we carry, we this, carry this, this message to others and to uh, practice uh, these, these principles, principles in all our affairs. Yeah. So what you've just described sounds like, would you call that a spiritual awakening where you have, you're not full of turmoil and you're in flow a bit more often? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and I think there's more than one spiritual awakening and, um, and it says a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And so there's a particular awakening that happens because of these steps, and 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 I kind of think that you know we wake up every day, you know, in our human lives, our diurnal lives, and I think spiritually too we continue to wake up and become mm. more aware. Mm-hmm. I don't think it stops. I don't think. Mm. I'm not one of these people who's had a blinding light mm. experience, mm. Um, but I've had profound experiences of where someone says something or I hear something in a meeting or in uh, some uh, recording, and it's like a penny's dropped and something is unlocked for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel this profound sense that something has changed mm-hmm. in the way I see the world. Yeah, I get lots of epiphanies. Yeah. You know, go through a period of struggle or a period of depression and then come out of it with a sudden realisation of a different way of looking at things or something I never really quite understood before. Yeah. Often I get them something I did understand before but forgot and it keeps coming back in a, in a sort of an epiphany way. Yeah, yeah. But um, so my... Uh, we have to wind up soon, but I think my spiritual... Uh, awakening is a, a real stabilization of not not searching anymore but knowing uh, quite profoundly or, or living quite profoundly that I only have this day and um, every, nearly everything else is out of my control and, and uh, even though I get into controlling things probably every day today yeah. I was a bit late to meet you and I was uh, tensing up against the car in front of me, you know, go faster, as if I could control it by tensing yeah. up. So it's every day I'm, I'm doing the, you know, going back the other way, but um, I don't have any confusion anymore. Yeah. Uh, the I'm quite clear. I, I do my bit every day, and the rest is up to forces way beyond my control. Yeah. All right, Richard. Um, oh, excuse me. That's us at the end of the interview, and we've got to make room for Balanois. So um, thank you so much again for coming in. No problem. Um, especially for this two-part um, study of the steps. Um, so uh, if uh, you are concerned about problem drinking in a relative or friend and would like to find out more about Alan on family groups, then you can phone them on 1300 252 or go online at au. If you are concerned about your own drinking and would like to find out more about AA, you can give them a call on one three hundred or visit their website at aa.org.au. Um, and if you'd like to try the 12 steps as a way of stopping smoking, you can contact Nicotine Anonymous online. Can you talk about that? Are they 
easy to get hold of, or how does the meet, how do the meetings work with? Um, there's one phone meeting in Australia at the moment, mm-hmm. Wednesdays six o'clock. Yeah. Um, uh, and but there are lots of international meetings on Zoom. Right. Okay. And you'll if you just go to that website, you'll get directed yeah. there. That's yeah. great. Um, coming up next, we have Balamwa, the Spirit of Wa, hosted by Uncle Tao Jim Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco in a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.